Welcome back to Sweatin' Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, The Epping Counter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I think this is, to me, the official start of the 2023 fantasy season. It's the, the scoffish bowls in the air. I know the dynasty we play all year, but that doesn't ever feel like it's that season. It's like that's just a continual process. But to me, like, SFP is happening. I'm halfway through my team level projections. I feel like I can taste week one. <laughs> I drafted I draft Derek Henry more and more the closer we get. You know, you, that's how you that's how you know. It's like you, you start looking at Keenan Allen and you're like, hmm, I'd rather have you than a 25 seconds. That's when you know it's getting closer. Yep. Yeah. As soon as the uh, veterans become appealing again, it's yeah, clearly time to to actually get points rather than just Admire our dynasty rosters. Cross the uh, Mason Dixon line. The what? Ah, oh, like the Mason Dixon line. It's like that, like that the line, and it's like a Civil War reference. Um, but I said the Mason Mixon line because Joe Mixon. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. That joke didn't land. Football player. I don't Gosh. know what that is. <laughs> Hate to see it. So. Um, what do you want to talk about tonight? Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the guys that have a really interesting disparity or an interesting non-disparity uh, between their seasonal value and their dynasty value. Always a fun conversation to me whenever we start to get into seasonal fantasy football mode. So I went through the top nine rounds of underdog fantasy football's ADP, rank by position, went through the same on Bulletproof Fantasy Football's Dynasty ADP and kind of identified some guys that are either interestingly valued more heavily on Underdog or in Dynasty, or it's interesting that they're kind of valued the same, um, specifically with relation to age. Um, I'll first ask you, what's your take on this as a concept? Because I think um, Adam Harstad has talked about this a lot. We've also seen some pushback on this concept of is it as easy as if the player is young and they're valued more in seasonal the dynasty than you fade them in seasonal, you buy them in dynasty, or is it more complicated than that? It's definitely more complicated than that. If you're going to just go by hard and fast rules like that, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Gabriel Davis or something like that. And uh, I think that would be a, I didn't even beat the mark. I, I thought we would get to Gabriel Davis mentioned around minute, minute eight, but we got it there minute three. Yeah, well, I mean, Gabriel Davis. You put Gabriel Davis on a tee like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit it. <laughs> so, yeah, because that's the guy that always reminds me of that. Like last year, yeah. it was so much of like, well, like in Dynasty, like in the Discord, and yeah, and just on Twitter in general. Like so many Dynasty people were like, well, his redraft projections are really strong, so we should be buying him because he's 22 years old or 23 years old with strong redraft projections. I was like, well, have you considered that the redraft projections are wrong? Because that might be a thing. And then it was because he wasn't a good player. And I think if you want to start with, you know, player level analysis of is this player good or bad, then I think uh, I think you can layer on that type of projection level analysis on top of that. But if the redraft ranking is wrong, then you're just going to be in the wrong spot anyway. 
So on that note, let's let's start there because I think that there are. I don't think there's anybody who's quite as much of an outlier as Gabriel Davis was last year in terms of, you know, he was ranked in the top 20 wide receivers seasonally. Um, and, and it kind of merged a little bit towards the end of the off season, but there was a period of time where he was like outside the top 40 in dynasty and inside the top 20 in, in seasonal, nothing to that extent for a young player, but there are some examples players that are on their rookie contract 24 and under higher ADP in seasonal formats than dynasty formats. Those players are Jerry Judy, Darius Tony, Gabriel Davis, second year running, Elijah Moore, and Sky Moore. Um, and my thoughts are what do you think of that list? What do you think that tells us about this archetype of player? Um, and do you think that that's, that's appropriate, that these are the guys that are young, but we're still more interested in a, in a season-long bet than, than in the dynasty bet? I, like, I think all those guys make sense because they've all shown that they're not the truth necessarily, and, uh, and that leaves some room for – what would be the word? Some room for error in the dynasty projection. Like in dynasty, we're a lot more concerned about – Will this player be good this year? But then also, what about the year after that and the year after that and the year after that? And I think all those, all, was it five players you mentioned? All five of them have some pretty realistic question marks to some extraordinarily terrifying question marks. So, but they all have projected opportunity in year one. So mm -hmm. that's what you're really buying into is that uh, if you believe in the player and they're going to get the opportunity, then you should probably buy them in Dynasty. If you don't believe in the player, but they're going to get the opportunity, then you should probably sell them in Dynasty. So it's it's pretty straightforward, I would say, to some degree. But it's a matter of you know the player, team or uh, player level analysis. Do you think the player is good? Yes or no? Here are the guys that I think are the most interesting of this list. So Tony, Sky, Gabe make a lot of sense to me in that like all of them obviously have a ton of question marks around their talent at this point. Um, I don't even know if Gabe really has question marks. I think we probably at this point are pretty, pretty aligned in terms of what Gabe is. Sorry. I think we have answers. <laughs> right. We probably have, we probably have answers on what Gabe is. Um, and obviously, but you know, what helps those guys is that they, they currently have a lot of opportunity to be starting wide receivers on the bills and the chiefs, which of course is pretty darn appealing if you're playing seasonal, it's especially appealing if you're playing in the, in the context of a best ball tournament. Um, Elijah Moore, you know, also kind of an interesting guy where there's just the, his first two years just could not have been more different. And it's somewhat unclear which one he is. And so I can definitely see why you'd be more into like, hey, I'm just going to go and take this bet when it doesn't cost me that much because it's a redraft pick. But I don't know if I want to invest a ton in Dynasty in the case that he's the guy we saw last year. That makes some sense to me. The interesting ones to me are Judy, and I'm going to throw out Ayuk. He doesn't count. He has the exact same ADP in both because Elijah Moore is playing with Deshaun Watson. Gabe Davis is playing with Josh Allen, the two Chiefs guys. But Judy's playing with Russell Wilson, who was terrible last year. And Ayuk, interestingly, is like, this is really weird to me. Because in Dynasty, the take on Ayuk recently has been like basically post-doghouse. It's like, okay... I guess he's not so good that he can transcend anything. 
but he's probably a lot better than he's produced at this point. And we just got to hope that one day he's not on a team that passes at a bottom 10 rate with, you know, three other fantastic target earners, which to me describes someone who we should like a lot more in dynasty than in seasonal. So it's really weird that at 24 years old, he's valued the same in both formats. Um, does that one make any sense to you? No, no, I don't think it does. I think, um, my apologies. He's 25 years old, but still on his rookie contract. Yeah, I think I would definitely prefer him in dynasty than in seasonal. And seasonal, you're betting on an injury happening this year, and, and or you know Brock Purdy's the truth, and they just pass a whole bunch this year, or Trey Lance they, is the truth, and they pass a whole bunch this year, or Sam Darnold uh, is. He's 46. We got a Trey Lance mention. Yeah. How do you feel about that bet? By the way. Uh, I don't think we actually made a bet on it, but our, our first podcast of the new year, I think we, we took out our odds on whether, who would be the week 17 starter. And uh, I think you gave Trey Lance, I want to call an 80% shot. And I think I gave Purdy, uh, I think it was like, I gave a really chickeny weeny 51% for Purdy, I think. Um, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I would change that to, uh, to 95%. Yeah, I'm feeling less good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I think Lance is, is prospects of opening the season or or even playing at all this year are are crashing. But not like not like I think the dynasty community is making it seem. But uh yeah. Anyway, yeah, like Brandon, I they're over under zero point five. Week one starts Trey Lance rest of career. What's that? Sorry. Over under 0.5. Week one starts rest of career for Trey Lance. So you're in asking the NFL. If Trey Lance will ever be a week one starter at any point in his career? Yeah, you're. That's. Okay. Yeah, that is what I'm asking, but you didn't have to click. Like, you can act like you've gambled before in your life and respond to the question. I don't gamble. <laughs> I, he's obviously going to start week one at some point no. in his career. There's no doubt about that. None. Zero. None? You want to give me like 100 to 1 odds on that? Or? No, I would never. I don't gamble. Right. Oh, right. I, would, I would continue to not gamble based on that take. <laughs> he's going to start football games, and he's going to be a week one starter somewhere, someday. Somehow. It will happen. Look, I hope so. I'm... I'm I, I'm I'm no longer rooting out of self interest. I don't really have any Lance tags, but I am I'm certainly rooting just out of general curiosity and, and hope for the kid that uh, that happens. It would just be so wildly unrealistic for him to well everything that's a chance. Yeah, but everything that's already happened in his career to this point has been like wildly unrealistic. Like the the chance that we would be where we are today at at the time that he was drafted third overall, it's like. 0.001 percentile outcome like it's already gone he's had a murphy's law career already like i'm not i'm certainly not going to be like one of those doofuses that's like this was entirely foreseeable because he wasn't a good prospect he played at north dakota state like that that's bs but at this point like i don't know all bets are off yeah i mean Me. it's pretty uncommon i guess pretty uncommon that he would play zero or like never be the starter in his rookie year other than an injury fill in that's uncommon, but also how often do third overall picks have yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo on the team? Like that's right. uncommon as well. That was uncommon. And then, and then things really got uncommon. And then how often do you get hurt 
after a monsoon game in the first quarter of a real game. And then how often is the Mr. Relevant, the greatest quarterback of our time? And then how often does Mr. Irrelevant play well-ish? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just well it's been a series of unfortunate events. Oh, and man. at the end of the day, we simply have to, in, in fantasy football, we would that's say. What I should just, that's what we should call him, Mr. Poe. Mr. What? Well, you just said it. You said it's been a series of unfortunate events. I've never seen that movie. Is it a movie or a book? It's a movie, right, Jim Carrey? Well, they, they made a shitty movie of it, but it, it was originally a book series. I read them all because I had a childhood. Yeah, I didn't read. So. Oh, all right. That's awkward. <laughs> God, none of these jokes are landing here. Nah. Um, anyway, back to Brandon Ayuk. I, I, I mentioned this. I'll pull up my projection. I have Brock Purdy projected for 17 games, mostly because, frankly, if like Darnold starts the first couple instead of Purdy, I don't really think that makes a massive difference to the seasonal projection. And I don't think Lance starts any game. Uh, so I, I projected it all about Trey Lance. Like, this is crazy. Uh, I mean, I hope he starts somewhere someday. And I think that's very possible that he does, but I don't think it's going to be for the 2023 San Francisco 49ers. It's probably going to be for the 49ers. Um, so I have IU. I projected him at a 20.5% target share. And before anybody's like, whoa, that's so low. Um, kind of think about who he's dealing with. That's I have him for literally two less targets than Debo, who had a higher target share than Brandon Ayuk last year. Um, lower ADOT, of course, but uh, had a markedly higher tar- target share. Kittle, 18%, like lagging both of those guys by a decent chunk. And then Christian McCaffrey at 17.5%, which is like, I think the lowest he would have been at since his rookie year. So all these guys eat into each other. Brandon Ayuk comes out with a... Fairly unremarkable 12.3 fantasy points per game in PPR scoring formats in that projection. Um, the benefit of IU, because you do get contingent value with him, like any one of those guys gets hurt. I think the other guys just kind of envelop the rest of it. But you get maxed out. Like, frankly, I don't even think they can hit that because that was like an 88% target share going to four guys. But for what it's worth, in the games that they were all healthy, they combined for 87.5% of the targets. <laughs> so it actually, there is president. Um, or sorry, that's five guys. That's including Jawan Jennings in that, uh, in that 87.5%. Uh, those three, those four in particular, I think was 76% combined, which is still extremely condensed. But, uh, but I think also like the odds of one of those guys missing games, like high, pretty high, but also like, he probably needs two of them to miss substantial games to really pay off at ADP. Yeah, in to be a massive pick. Yeah. yeah. To be a massive so, smash. I don't love him in redraft. Like, I get it, but I don't, I'm not, like, over the moon for him. And then I think you also have to factor in the chance that Trey Lance is the starter. Uh, well, that's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a yikes. So, like, his redraft ADP just doesn't make sense to me. He He's, like... I think he's a pretty strong – I'm not like – I wouldn't say he's like a must-have in Dynasty, but he's he's a strong buy, I think. I have warmed to it. Um, and the main reason I'm warmed to it is because like I've actually still found myself clicking him in seasonal. Part of this is because it's best ball. I don't think I'm going to be as interested in him when we come around to managed. Like, just from like a – just kind of the way that offense works, I guess, is like, to me, Ayuk's – like base is lower, like compared to other wide receivers that I think will score similarly for the season, he will have more games of like three fantasy points, but in best ball, I don't really care about that. But to me as like a higher ceiling than some guys, like I think, I think 
and especially in half PPR best ball, like I think he might have more 20 plus point per game, 20 plus point games in like a Chris Godwin, where I see Chris Godwin having like a lot of like nine targets, six catches, 55 yards type of, of games. Um, I would rather have Godwin in, in a managed format um, pr- pretty easily. But the fact that I'm even interested at all in seasonal, I'm like, well, he's kind of in like the worst situation imaginable. And I'm still kind of interested in clicking him in seasonal. And then here he is in Dynasty at the same value. I, I have grown pretty interested, more than I thought that I would be. I've come around to him. I mean, it's such an adverse environment. And he still produced really strong numbers. Did it by far in the hardest position, right? Like Debo kind of has his own thing that he does. Um, but I used to out there playing X receiver, right? And he's playing X receiver in an offense in which there's always someone open quickly. <laughs> like if a team doesn't, if the quarterback just wants to throw to Debo right away or Kittle right away, like they're running tiny little routes. CMC's open every single play if you want to throw to him 350 times. But like the fact that Ayuk's still earning over 20% while actually running legitimate routes, while there's all of these guys that are the best at running six yard routes around him, that's pretty <laughs> impressive to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kittle, that's the other thing too, is like Kittle's sneaky old, right? Kittle's 30 years old. So who knows how much longer he's he's in effect for. Um, and I, I think like probably in the next two years, wouldn't you say it's it's like more than likely that either Debo leaves or Ayuk leaves? Yeah, I don't think they can maintain what they have in terms of their skill positions. So I think somebody is going to be out of there soon. Right. And Kittle is also like on the cliff. So it could just be and CMC, obviously old. CMC is old for running back. Like I think CMC is probably going to age pretty gracefully, though. I think he's like an upper tier player of all time. So, I agree, but he also, you know, it's the same guy who last year at this time nobody wanted to draft him because he was injured all the time. One healthy season, we've all forgotten that he gets injured. Um, but and I'm not, but like it, it's it's possible, probably more possible for him than most. Frankly, it's like okay. On, on this topic, because this is a great topic, I literally just wrote the Elijah Mitchell blurb in the ranking update. Like, Yeah, I, I've been buying Elijah Mitchell. And I'm like, why is this guy so cheap? Like, if, you, if you're looking at contingent upside running backs, he is so far down the list. And right. it doesn't make any sense. Like, he, A, has proven that he can play football at the NFL Good at level the game. At a high rate. Like, he's competent NFL player. He six yards per carry last year. We already know he's good or good-ish, <laughs> yeah. good enough. And he right, plays in certainly. one of the scoring offenses. And Christian McCaffrey last year was, like, radioactive because of the injury concern. <laughs> like, why, why does nobody want Elijah Mitchell? This doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, he's been one of my most – I want Elijah Mitchell. Um, I, he has been – I think – I don't know. I, I, I was keeping track at some point, and I lost track. But the last time I checked, he was the running back that I was had the most purchased shares of through trade this entire offseason. He's been like one of those guys where it's like every time that I'm doing any trade with the Elijah Missile manager, I'm making sure that he comes up in the trade at some point. Because, yeah, he has, I just think, a lot of outs. Like he's, he's either – either he stays in the 49ers, <clears throat> he's their lead back post McCaffrey, or some smart team signs him to a contract um, when his rookie contract is up. Or, yeah, CMC just gets hurt and, and he scores a lot of points per game. I think he's legit. And here's the other fun thing with Mitchell. Like, part of why I draft some of these running backs that have <clears throat> quote unquote standalone value, like, which in oh, managed like, isn't really standalone value. Right. So there's a big difference between like 
seasonal managed standalone value, of course, and best ball standalone value. And like in best ball, if your standalone value is like eight points per game, that's that's something. It's like you have a role, and then sometimes you get a usable week out of them. In manage, that standalone value is useless. They're they're just going to be on your bench. So you're not ever drafting Mitchell in Dynasty for his standalone role, but you do get the nice thing in Dynasty of like, <clears throat> there will be people all off season, me, for instance, that will go through and post all the, you know, here's all these backup running backs that are these really good fancy stats, right? And you don't get to be on that list if you don't have a role in the offense. <laughs> if you have 40 carries all year, then you don't get to remind people that you're a sleeper that might be good one day. But Elijah Mitchell will have a role in the offense. The, the games that he played with CMC, they had the exact same amount of carries. Um, I, I, I have projected CMC to get more this, this year, but I don't think it's going to be that large of an amount. I don't even think it makes sense for it to be that big of a spread. Like CMC's, I mean, the target split I have is 89 to 10, but the carry split I have is pretty close. Um, and I think it makes sense that it should be. I don't know if there's a big difference between them strictly as runners. And if you get... 150 Elijah Mitchell carries. Maybe you only get seven fantasy points per game and you never start him and CMC stays healthy. But if you get the, oh, he had 1.1 rush yards over expected per attempt this year. Oh, he was PFF sixth graded running back this year. Like all of a sudden, then people start looking, oh, he has one year left on this contract? Oh, okay, that's interesting. And you you get that value accrual that way. Um, I'm with you. I think Elijah Mitchell is just a, a mega, mega buy for a lot of reasons. So like he's going, I'm just checking on, the website here uh he's going rb 47 which is just insane he's going behind um or wait uh, maybe. chase brown yeah 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 he's going next to jamal williams i mean i get i like i understand he's that tyler algier i mean they're kind of the same guy right yeah, they're like the exact same guy. Similar, except CMC is like twenty-eight years old, twenty-seven right. years old, and Bijan Robinson is twenty-one years old. Yeah, but that's but the problem is if you're a running back and you get hurt, then then everyone running back's injury proneness is entirely related to whether they got hurt in the previous year. If you got hurt, <laughs> <laughs> like if you're if you're Elijah Mitchell, like if you're Damian Harris, and you got hurt this year. Then, then you're you're injury prone. Like people, like you even see on Twitter, right? People reply, if people will post something good about Damian Harris, but if he stays on the field, and it's like, what? He like had a, he, he suffered injury for like the first time last year. Like he wasn't even an injury prone guy until last year. That was but his first career injury. <laughs> it's like, like it's just as soon as so it's just it's, and it works both ways. It's like Elijah Mitchell got injured a lot, and now it's, he's, he's injury prone. And CMC made it through one year. Uninjury scathed last year. Last year, if you suggested that it was possible, he could even play twelve games. You'd have people like with with like knives at your throat, like threatening your family. And now it's like CMC's playing seventeen games. It's fine. There's no question about it. I feel like there were serious questions about if he could even play like five games. Like people like, oh, he only played two games last year, three the year before. Like this guy can't stay healthy. They they acted like he was Kadarius Tony. Yeah. See, that's my segue. Kadarius Tony. Can I can I interest you in Kadarius Tony at an ADP mm -mm. of cannot be interested. Of wide receiver 40. Absolutely not. No interest in No! 
<laughs> and an over 25% target throughout run player on the Kansas City Chiefs on the worst depth chart. I thought you liked upside. I do. Give me Sky Moore. <laughs> well, I'm okay with that too. I think that, uh, like, Tony is, how do you put it? He's never been good. And it's just hard to envision him actually being good at some point. Like, even his, like, breakout senior year wasn't that good. No. No, he ha- he's never. So he's, he's never been, been. He's never been good as a. Okay. He's never been good as a wrong statement. Well, it's because it's the correct statement. So you're, it, you're in agreement. But it's also not like he's been bad in the traditional way. No, he's been pretty that, bad in the traditional way. No, okay. Come on. Um, I'm pulling them up. You, you sell yours and then I'm oh, while I pull up the stats. You, you go ahead on, on Tony or Sky, any of these Chiefs, because all these say? Chiefs are free. What is there even to say about Kadarius Tony? He has literally... Okay, if you go back to his freshman year, he didn't do anything. His sophomore year, he didn't do anything. His junior year, he didn't do anything. His senior year, he kind of did something, but not to the level that we would expect a senior wide receiver to produce at. So he, again, did not do anything. Then you look at his rookie year, he didn't do anything. And then you look at his second year in the NFL, he didn't do anything. Like, he's never done anything at any point since he was in high school. I don't even know if he did anything in high school. He probably ran track or something. I don't know what he was doing in high school. So it's just like, at some point, sure, he... He he might have been a quarterback in high school. Do you know? Do you do you remember when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, and somebody had posted all the excuses for why Brady won the Super Bowl throughout his career? It was like, oh, in two thousand three, the Patriots defense. Oh, in two thousand four, the Tuck rule or whatever. And it was just like a series of excuses of why Tom Brady never deserved to win the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay's—they only won because Tampa Bay's supporting cast and defense carried them. And the guy, the, I forget who posted it. It was hilarious. He's like, I'm starting to think maybe, maybe Tom Brady has had something to do with these Super Bowls. Over here. <laughs> and with Canarius Tony, that's kind of how I feel. It's like we make it like if you were a Canarius Tony stan, you are making up an excuse for why he wasn't a freshman breakout or a sophomore breakout or a junior breakout or a senior breakout or a rookie year or a second year NFLer. And it's just like at some point. But the excuse, the excuse for the NFL is pretty reasonable, which is it's, it's that he was hurt all the time. So Canarius Tony in the NFL, twenty six percent targets per outrun. Unfortunately, that's the only part of the case. There's no other part of the case. I acknowledge that. Why do they let him get more out? Have you seen his RP? Right, as I said, that's the only part of the case. Okay, reception perception is ass with a side of poop. His his rough shares are non-existent. His college profile is one of the worst we've ever seen drafted in round one. But... It's rough. 26% targets per route run on the Chiefs. I I guess this this is the question. Like, even if he shouldn't be running 80% of the routes... If he stays healthy, like it probably might let him. They don't really have anybody else. And how how far does the targets per run fall off a cliff? Because like he's still 
Like he is good at things in the NFL. It's not like he is like you watch him return punts and you're like, man, that guy like really has some moves. So it's like let him have the ball in space 14 times a game. He'd be a right. Why? But why can't they? That's the thing. Why? Literally, why can't they? Why can't they? I don't know. Because he's hurt constantly, and because he seems a little bit psychotic. Why didn't they let him in college? Like he seems like a person. College. I think it's because he seems like a total dick, right? Like I mean, he he like this off season because he like well no because we have we have current evidence to the contrary, right? Like he like DM'd that person like threatened their life and swore a lot. He was hacked. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think that's the thing, right? I think it's like he. I think he's a person that coaches need to scheme stuff for, and then they like they they quickly hate him, and they're like, "I don't want to scheme this guy anything. This guy is this guy is a psychopath." That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so there's a lot of problems. <laughs> but you know, you know what it, you know what Pat Mahomes said on that quarterback documentary. He said Andrew Reid likes us a lot of our personality show, right? Maybe he saw that DM and he was like, "Young Joker's got a personality." Maybe that's what it was. Like, do you think that there's? Do you think that there's a better option in their receiver room than just throwing twelve bubble screens to Kadarius County? I'm not sure there is. Well, Travis Kelsey would do the trick. Okay, Travis Kelsey's 34. What if he dies this year? What if? Then we are rejoicing with our Sky Moore shares copies, and we are going to the moon. I'm pretty sure there's a, Look, there's a whole meme about it. Yeah, Scott, Scott, well, that would be the one-for-one Devontae Adams. Sky's the limit. Um, I'm here for the Sky take. It's just, so are you, you're only, you're all of these Chiefs wide receivers, right? The young Chiefs. Because MVS is MVS. Um, and Kelsey's Kelsey. So the other three, is it, it's just only Sky for you? There's no Tony, there's no Rice? School's, school. <laughs> Sky is quite a bit cheaper, if I recall. He uh, is cheaper. I don't know if quite a bit. It depends on your definition of quite a bit. He is. He goes at thirteen oh two versus nine eleven. So it's basically like four three rounds, rounds yeah. in a little bit. Three rounds in a little bit, and then uh, I'm going to try and find our guy uh, Rasheed Rice. Um, Rice is because he wasn't on my other sheet. Oh, Rice is is more expensive than Sky. Uh, he goes in the eleven oh two. Although notably in seasonal, Sky has really gapped him recently. They originally originally Rice and Sky went like back to back in the eleventh round. Sky has now climbed up into the mid ninth. Rasheed Rice is falling into the very back end of the twelfth. This is why I always say that we should just follow whatever the redraft folks do. This, is, this has been my <laughs> stance this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> For those that cannot see the video, I'm laughing because we would never do that. Because I have an interesting. Got it right. Okay, and and so can you give me that? I had a really interesting back and forth with um, Sam Sherman. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about it again, probably um, on EP chasing. He was making the case, which I think is a reasonable case, which is like, look, I get it. Rasheed Rice sucked as a prospect, but Sky Moore sucked as a rookie, and wouldn't we rather sucked as a prospect than sucked as a rookie? Yeah, but then you got. Kadarius Tony, who sucked in the NFL for two years, <laughs> and is going to but he, but he actually does. I mean, this is the thing with Sky, right? Like, if you want to squint at the Sky case, 
you have to be like, look at these targets for row run though. And then you're, but then it's like really hard to make the case against Kadarius Tony when you, when you're pot committed to targets for route run, Martin Galing, Sky Moore, unless your case is just, he was bad, but prospect profile. Good. Is, is that the case? That's pretty much the case. Yeah. Okay. It's like, there's like, there's nothing impressive about his rookie year to me. I think, like, I think his PFF grade was like fine, but it was on like, it was on four plays, but yeah, it was okay. His reception perception, like Matt Harmon has more hope for Sky than for Tony. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great news. And that makes sense because like Sky. terrible. Like to be, to be clear, like Matt's not like, I think he's going to be a superstar, but I think Matt's take is like, he can do the juju role and probably do a good job. Yeah. I think that's a fair take. And I think with Sky Moore in round 13 in Dynasty, if he does the juju role, that's probably a pretty big win. And, uh, well, yeah, especially, I mean, you do anything on the Chiefs. And I mean, this, this to me is the case to me for investing in any of these receivers. Is I don't even think you need to actually be right. I think if you appear to be right for a game, you can probably profit pretty well on any of these yeah. three. Like, if, if each of these three has one good game, like, who's going to be the most like, expensive? Let's play that game. If, let's say, each of them has one good game. Who's going to have the biggest value bump? Who's going to be the most expensive? Not the biggest value bump because they're not starting in the same spot. Right. But if they have one good game, who's going to be the okay, highest? What's, what's the good game? Tell me what the game looks like. Like, how are we defining 100 it? yards and a touchdown. Okay. With like eight targets. Okay. I mean, I think she writes, right? Because he, he doesn't have any baggage. See, I feel like it would be Sky. I feel like there's actual Sky truthers out there, like, like beyond you and I from a like, I don't know. We're like fine of them at cost. I think it's, and then I hmm. feel like Rasheed Rice. If he does that, ninety percent of the community was not into Rasheed Rice, and we're just gonna be like, eh, fluke. I think Kadarius Tony would potentially be the one because I think. I mean, Tony can have a massive value because people already like him, right? Like he's being drafted in the sixth round currently. So, yeah. so that tells us that like the market is actually kind of expecting that to happen. Yeah, maybe they're expecting I mean, it, but it wouldn't surprise people. I think Tony would probably be the most expensive guy if he were to pop, but I think that Sky would be the guy that I would hold if he popped, depending on how high the pop went. Whereas yes. Tony, if he popped, I'm like, I'm out. Let's go. It's over. I would probably hold Sky for sure if he popped. Um, and the other two, I would like, I would have to commit some level of investigation. Yeah. Like I would be like, because for Sky, it's like, okay, for Tony, for instance, it's like, how does he pop? Like if. If, if Tony runs 60% of the routes, gets eight screens, takes two to the house, I'm like, oh, well, he's Kadarius Tony, but he just had a really good Kadarius Tony game. Like, this game was always within his range of outcomes, and it was probably always going to happen this season if he stayed healthy. It's just that it's probably not going to happen frequently, right? Yeah, if Kadarius Tony, anything like that. Right. I'm just telling you how I would think. Like, I'm saying, like, I, I'm saying, like, if, if, like, okay, like, in my projection, for instance, like, I, I don't project injuries, although, like, obviously, if Tony played 17 games, that would shock and appall me. But um, <laughs> I, I don't, I just don't project injuries. So I projected Tony to run 55% of the routes um, and receive like a ton of gadgety touches and have a high targets per route run and receive a lot of rushing volume. And it's like, I'm sure that if we just like put on a normal distribution of that projection, there's a game or two in there where. His like twenty five point five percent base targets per run turns into thirty five percent, and he houses a couple because he's legitimately awesome in the open field. And now that turns into eight targets, five catches, hundred yards, two touchdowns. And like, but if he just does it in that gadgety way, it's like, 
okay, like we got the game that we were probably always going to have this year if healthy, but it probably won't happen next week. Like nothing has changed. But if Tony comes out, he runs 90% of the routes as the X wide receiver. And he like catches like a bunch of vertical routes and big routes. I'm like, yeah, pretty in. See, I feel like I would be like, that's probably not real. He's not that good. So we should sell him anyway. I guess the thing is, is like he is, he's in the best offense on earth, and he has a skill that he's one of the best at on earth. Like he is so good in space that if he could just be like an okay normal receiver, because that's the thing with Debo, right? Like Debo is 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 like he's not like a great legitimate receiver, but he's he's not he's definitely not actively bad. Like he knows what he's doing out there. He's, he's not, he doesn't like go out and embarrass himself when asked to play real wide receiver. He like he's like he's a exactly like he's probably like a, a a good like number two wide receiver as a wide receiver like running routes and stuff. But then if he has the ball in his hands, he's like one of the best in the NFL. And Tony just hasn't gotten that first part yet. Like Tony like doesn't really know what he, he doesn't have a clue. But like if he could just put it together to where he's like Debo level as a receiver, he doesn't have to be like, you know, he doesn't have to be a technician. He doesn't have to be Ayuk. He just has to be like, he just has to be competent. He has to just be a professional wide receiver. And then, and then he has everything else. It's just like he's never been competent at any level. Like we should hmm. get, can we, we've never really done like third party interviews, but maybe we should get like his peewee coach on, on the podcast. And see, <laughs> see if he was I, ever, I, like an actual player. I guess part of it is that I just like haven't played football. So I just like don't really understand. But to me, it's like you watch Tony move and it's like, couldn't that guy learn how to beat press coverage? Like he teleports, like how, how can he not get open? Like I, I would just think that he can get open. <laughs> he looks like a guy who should get open. I don't know, man. Like it's even I, like I never played football either. But like playing hockey, I I played a lot of hockey, and I remember having really really talented players on my team in practice. And then you get to the game, and it's like, what is that guy doing? Like he should be yeah. able to just take over the game, and he's just like a pylon, basically. It it was wild, and I think like that's the same in every sport. Like some people just they have that like mental processing where they understand where they're supposed to be and where the play will go and. And you know that kind of thing. I remember reading this thing about Wayne Gretzky when he was a kid, and right. he used to watch TV, watch hockey on TV, and he'd have like a like a notepad with mm -hmm. a rink drawn on it, and he would just follow the puck around on his notepad, huh. and that's how he would learn where to go when the puck was, you know, when it would go into this corner and the players were here, he would learn that it was going to go to this spot next, and that was like how he learned to basically outthink the entire game. It was it was really fascinating. Mm -hmm stuff but anyways Canarius Tony obviously does not have that and every indication that we've ever had from Canarius Tony from off the field is this a studying <laughs> player that he's not dedicated to his craft <laughs> that he is a rap star not a football player but he's so, not very good at rap I've listened to all of his albums he's entirely mediocre so basically what you're telling me is that in any vocation that he pursues <laughs> mediocrity is a level that he has yet to achieve. <laughs> That's wrong. All right. Okay. Last guy. I know this kind of getting, we're kind of getting off the main topic, but that's fine. This is just sort of a guide posted to some of these situations. Um, Rishi Rice, if he were just in a vacuum, 
what like for how how stunned would you be if he was in a vacuum like a top 36 wide receiver as a rookie or ever it, within his first two years i would be stunned what's what's the highest level of stunned in this spectrum okay like what what percentage odds would you give him 20. so if he's a top 36 wide receiver okay because this is the thing right if he's a top 36 wide receiver in a vacuum then then what is he yeah, in case 20 20 I'm, I'm sticking with 20. okay so if he's a top 36 wide receiver in a vacuum what 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 are we in in chief land like pretty better than that right sorry i thought you meant top 36 producer you're saying like one of the top 36 wide receivers in football no, I'm saying producer, but I'm saying like the first question is just like in a vacuum, just like Rice, like without knowing his landing spot, only knowing like Rice, the second round pick of the draft, his prospect profile alone. And then I'm just saying like, then based on the fact that he's with the Chiefs, like, because like for, this is like kind of the argument that I have with Sam and I'm playing devil's advocate because I, I was kind of playing the anti-Rice side and that argument that like, Knowing nothing else but second round rookie playing for the Chiefs, it's really weird that he's an 11th round startup pick. That's like a really low opportunity cost for second round pick wide receiver on the Chiefs on this depth chart, right? It's not just on the Chiefs. It's like on the Chiefs with a, they want him to play. Like if he's not a disaster, they, I'm sure they want him to play. Their depth chart's horrible. Well, um, the problem is, is that we keep getting burned by Chiefs young wide receiver. Mm. Like we got absolutely not we we obviously knew we treated Miko Hardman like we're right. treating Rashi Rice, but the masses did not. The masses pushed Miko Hardman up to a first round pick in startup or in uh startup, oh, oh a bridge too far in rookie drafts. He was a first round pick, a fringe first right. round pick. That was insane. And then we got you know Sky Moore and we got Kadarius Tony and we got you know, all these wide receivers that just never popped because they were that good. Even like Juju. Juju didn't do that much last year. No. It's like, he's like a real NFL wide receiver. He's not like a hopeful NFL player, which I think illustrates the point that we keep talking about where situation, while it is an accentuator, it doesn't make bad players good. And I think that's where the issue with Rasheed Rice is. He's probably not very good. So Patrick Mahomes probably isn't going to make him good because he can't make Sky Moore good or Kadarius Tony good or Michael Harmon good or 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 like none of these guys to produce other than Tyree Kill. That's the only one. Are and they ever going to draft a good receiver? <laughs> what? Are they ever going to draft a good receiver? Yeah, they got Tyree Kill. They should they should yeah. consider re-signing him or something. I mean. <laughs> I, I guess like, the case, the case on rice, like I've been taking some rice in uh, a little bit just because, I mean, you just mentioned McCall Harbin. McCall Harbin going into year three after doing diddly for two years and being a crappy prospect was had a round seven seasonal ADP and had like probably a pretty similar dynasty ADP to Rice's current ADP. So it's like probably higher. So it's like you don't even have to do good things. It's almost like if you just like exist you you just like move up anyway which like and i don't know maybe it's just that rice is like i i don't know if it's either that we've learned the lesson but i don't even think we've learned the lesson because Kadarius tony is getting massive helium for me on the chiefs sky Moore is being treated far more positively than any face planter that i can remember since 
face planter was popularized as a term. Um, <laughs> so like, you should I, see I, I guess what I'm what asking is, is like, are we just getting the bottom on rice and that he's like almost Teflon and that no matter how bad he is, he's just going to keep staying where he is or moving up. Or is it the like, as bad as Hardman was, he likes had some level of trutherism surrounding him. And Tony obviously is a divisive player. So people want to really lean into the targets for outruns case on him. Sky obviously had a lot of fans that prospect and there's just no constituency for rice. Like, is that, is that what it is? Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who like I, before he got drafted, I can't think of a single person who was like, <laughs> I'm a Rishi yeah, rice guy, wherever Rishi rice lands. Like I'm in, like, I can't think of <laughs> anyone who said that. Did anyone say that about Hardman though? I think there was people who thought Hardman were real, was real fast. Like, okay. I, that's actually, the, I guess that's the what? thing. Like Hardman was bad, but he is kind of fun. Here, here's the thing about Miko Hardman that I do remember from his draft year. There was another wide receiver that played on his team in college in Georgia. Well, wasn't it Riley Ridley? Riley Ridley. And huge amounts of the fi uh, film community were super into Riley Ridley before the draft. And I remember Fusu Vu going on Twitter and being like, I don't know why you guys are in Riley Ridley. Like, Mikkel Hardman's better. And then Mikkel Hardman was, like, unheard of before the draft. Then he, like, miraculously went in the second round. Uh, Riley Ridley fell to, like, day three. I don't remember how how late. And I was like, Wait. where did this even come from? Like, I didn't even <laughs> heard of Mikkel Hardman before the draft. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so, like, Mikkel Hardman was really, really fast. And I think people liked that. And the big thing with Michael Hardman was that he was going to replace Tyree Kill. Oh, because that was the Tyree Kill suspension. Suspended. That was the suspension that never and happened. And then, right. And then it was he's going to take over like Sammy Watkins' job for the number two, even though Hardman doesn't actually play receiver. And then it was, and then Tyree Kill left. Or no, but he left after Hardman had already gone. Why did Hardman have that? Big ADP jump going into year three. Was there a reason for that, or did people just have like a collective every issue? year? Big ADP <laughs> jump. Like he would. I bet if you looked yeah. on KTC, if it existed back to then, <laughs> it's just like a zigzag off season, okay. season, off season, season. Like there's a lot of guys <laughs> okay. that do that actually. Like, not like every Sky Moore for instance. <laughs> Sky Moore for Gabriel Davis, for instance. <laughs> That's that actually is. Yeah, Gabe's been doing it three years in a row. He's picking yeah. up a little bit of speed now. It's like, oh, you know he's a little undervalued? Gabriel Davis. Well, yeah. like, honestly, at this point, I'm like, I don't well, know. We're transitioning to our third guy, Gabriel Davis. Yeah. I mean, I guess Gabriel Davis is just boring because, like, I don't know. It's like, I'll draft him in best ball because then the payoff is, you know, if, if, if the right week hits and I pull the slot machine and I get three cherries, then cool. But, like, in Dynasty, there's no payoff. Like, yeah. he's like... Like he's he's a high variance player week to week, but I don't think he's actually a high variance player in Dynasty now. I think he kind of was last year, but at this point, it's like he's he's, he's kind of just MVS, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of MVS. That's exactly what he. At is. best, he's Devonte Parker, but like without the random weird one crazy season that Devonte Parker had, that was like a fever year. dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so all the other years of Devonte Parker. Yeah, it's really um, it's really remarkable. I think how. How I don't think he had like a terrible year last year. Like he, he basically did exactly. He ran pretty cold, actually. It's like what what? It's like What's he was that? he was like he actually ran pretty cold. Like his catch rate was like fifty one percent. 
But like that's his career though. Like he's never had a high catch rate. Oh, in part because his A dot is outrageous. Yeah. But uh like I don't think that he was like bad last year. I just like that's pretty like I th- I remember I think it was you and I maybe on Twitter and I, or maybe in the Discord and somebody had asked me what his target share was going to be. Like that 15 to 18%. Like that's where I think mm-hmm. he's going to be at. And I think he was at like 16%. Like he was exactly yeah. what expected or 17% maybe. And uh, I'm just like, I don't know why you guys are so down on this. Like, he got the role, he ran all the routes, he got he got hurt, and got the target share that we were expecting. Like, why aren't you leaning into that? Why aren't you leaning into he whatever he did? He have a high ankle sprain. I can't remember what he got. He had something. Well, originally it was just an ankle sprain, and then he only missed like one week, so it didn't seem like it was a high ankle sprain. But then in like the end of year interviews, the GM said it was a high ankle sprain, and then everyone was like, "Oh my god, he played all these weeks on high ankle sprain," which you know, but which has has an yeah. impact. Like high ankle sprains, yeah. Are serious yeah. injuries. So I'm like, why why are the masses not like leading into this high ankle sprain narrative? Yeah, I think it's just that the range of outcomes is really narrow. Like I think it was. I mean, going into year three, I think the, the idea was like, okay, maybe he can just translate all of the targets per route run onto this role. And also maybe he can just get better because he's only like 23 years old and, and he can maybe just get better at football. But now it's like, now it's like, okay, it's like maybe he can be like better than he was last year, I guess. But it's like, he's probably not like going to make like a big leap. So it's like, he's probably just going to be like a guy, which is, it's fine. Like I think he's probably, a, I think he's a totally fine pick in basketball. I don't think he's a bad pick in dynasty either. Like I think he'll do his job. Like I have, I have like a couple Gabe Davis shares and I'm not like racing to move them, but I, I don't know if I'm investing in that spot in dynasty, it's, I don't know. I think there's worse picks. But I think there's just like more interesting picks. Like he, to me, he's still going to die on the vine. Like, it's like he has one year left on his rookie contract in Buffalo. It's like, is he, is he going to really get a third year to be the wide receiver two on this team? Like that would just seem to be the luckiest man in America. Would be. I think he's, uh, yeah, he, he's just not like appealing in any way in Dynasty, but he's also not like appalling. Like, at, at yeah, now, I'm not like, oh there. my God, stay away. But I'm like, what's the point? Like, what are we going to get? 12, 13 points he's per game? Get, and then, like, what for value gains? Basically nothing. because you're. He's going to get a money. contract, I think, that tilts people off the axis of the earth. Because he, he like, runs downfield routes, which NFL teams care about. And he blocks his ass off, which, which NFL teams care about. And, like, you think about, like, the contract that, like, Alan Lazard got. And, like, what, like, MVS got. And he's kind of like a mix of MVS and Alan Lazard. And he's going to get like a three-year, like $45 million contract. And people are going to lose their mind. And then they're going to draft him highly again because of the contract. <laughs> it's going to be great. So maybe maybe he is a good pick because he's going to get a contract <laughs> boost, uh, ADP, follow the money, never let us wrong before. He, he's you actually very Holiday. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. Opening up my third eye, as Davis would say. T. Higgins, Bengals can't pay him. He's shipped out, and they're like, we got to replace this role, but we don't have the money to do it with a good player. And then they sign Gabe Davis to be the T. Higgins replacement. That makes perfect sense. That's a that's a sad state of affairs for Joe Burrow. <laughs> it's a good state of affairs for Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're a wide receiver that's not Gabriel Davis, you, you would love to welcome Gabriel Davis to your squad, right? Because he's going to, he does everything that helps other wide receivers. He's like, uh, I've called this the Donovan Peoples Jones um, theory, which is like Donovan Peoples Jones 
is is the greatest player to have on your team. MVS too, if you want to, if you if you're another wide receiver, because they run a ton of downfield routes, which then is going to make your life easier. Like they do real valuable NFL things. They make your life easier by opening up the intermediate area of the field. They don't earn any targets. <laughs> and they make sure that they're always on the field because they're such because they're effective blockers. So you're going to get, so you're, you're guaranteed if you're the other wide receiver in that offense or if you're the tight end in that offense, that you just get like a non-playable character running 95% of the routes. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna be the name of the show, Gabriel Davis, NPC. <laughs> Wait, you didn't get a Mason Dixon line reference, but you're but you're able to know that non-playable character was NPC. Yeah, I used to play video games like 20 years okay. ago. So like when NPCs were like just becoming a thing in video games. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Okay, we will call it uh, yeah, Gabriel Davis NPC. <laughs> um, what about what about Elijah? How all in are you? Just a quick check. I think we've talked about it before Elijah on the program. Moore? Yeah, yeah. He's I, running against the other NPC. We keep doing these natural segues. Yeah, yeah. No, I th- I don't think he's an NPC, but I think that the other guy. No, I'm saying he's running against the NPC. Oh, right? yeah. He gets the benefit of the NPC and DPJ NPC. Honestly, acronyms. I feel like I'm kind of getting into Elijah Moore right now. And there I'm, we go. I don't know if I'm afraid of that or what. No, I'm really in. I was a little, I was a little sketched during the they might sign DeAndre Hopkins era, but we haven't heard anything about that in a while. And at this point, yeah, I'm all in. There is nobody on that depth chart I am at all afraid of. And there was like one positive blurb about him at OTAs, and that confirmed everything I wanted to hear. Let's it's go. Like, I am in on a lot more. He's round eleven startup pick now. That ain't expensive. Yeah. He has. Four consecutive years of quality play, followed by one down year with tons of off-field problems. I love how you phrase that. Four consecutive years of quality play, followed by one down year, right? The whole college profile still counts. It's still evidence. We have it. Yeah. And his rookie year was good. And then whatever happened last year, like, I feel like there was a lot of off the field, like behind the scenes stuff. It like got out into the media. Like if... If there's behind-the-scenes stuff that gets out in the media, it's got to be pretty severe, I would think. And then they traded him, which I think is even more evidence that there was a lot of off-field stuff that was going on. So I'm just, like, kind of throwing that year out, I think, to some degree. Like, obviously, it's it's worrisome because you never want to see a player fail quite yeah. that badly and then also get given up on so quickly by their team that drafted them. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, like, we got four years of good play. We got one year of bad play. And we are now in a Deshaun Watson offense that is probably going to pass a lot more than they have historically because they've said they are going to. And right. it made sense because the quarterback is really good or was really good. Mm-hmm. And then we have like fake alpha Amari Cooper. I'm like, yeah, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper looked like a stud last year, but he's been a fake alpha for like eight consecutive years. So mm-hmm. I feel like this could be more of a 1A, 1B situation than anybody's really giving a, giving like credence to. And in that in that situation, I'm like, why couldn't Elijah Moore be a top 15 wide receiver like Will Fuller was when he played with DeAndre Hopkins? Because Amari Cooper is certainly not DeAndre Hopkins level. So absolutely not. I did, like I'm just like this could be like really good for Elijah Moore. Like I'm not I'm not like he's gonna be the best wide receiver in football. Right. But like 
he could be a top 24 wide receiver pretty easily this year, I think. And in round 11 for a 23 year old, uh, in or sorry, for a 23 year old wide receiver with top 24 potential in round 11, I'm just pressing the button on it and not really I'm, thinking too much negativity out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you. Like, to me, the only fear in like a best ball context is like, you know, okay, um, what if he just doesn't run all the routes? Like, I think that's a legitimate fear. It's like, okay, you know, they, what if they want to keep running these two tight end sets? Mari Cooper's obviously not leaving the field. And I think, like, they probably intend on Donald Peoples-Jones not leaving the field today. But it's like, that's just, that's, to me, the dynasty, it's a non-concern. Because that's just, tells, that's just, like, how do we lose more, right? That's like, it's, there's just no way, like, if Elijah Moore hits the ceiling we're hoping for, then... A lot of people's Jones is, is going to take a seat on the bench and, you know, 11 personnel or, or in 12 personnel, I mean, or they're just going to run 11 personnel all day. But like if Elijah Moore is good enough to the point where you're getting like a massive payoff in Dynasty, then DPJ is, is not like an actual obstacle anymore. Like then he's going to be good enough to get the routes. If he's not good enough where he's taking DPJ off the field because they're like, oh, it's not that big of a difference in talent and production and we just prefer DPJ blocking or whatever, like then the bet wasn't really paying off any. So, so who cares at that point? I agree. Like, I think it's just like, yeah, blindly betting on talent in the 11th round. And he gets a good quarterback. Like, it's a great spot. Good quarterback, like you just mentioned, mid-depth chart. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's just an, a sweet, sweet buy. I, I want to go send some offers now before this gets uploaded. Yeah, I, I've, I've talked myself further into it than I had already talked myself being into it. So I feel like uh, <laughs> I'm all I like. I already felt like I was all the way in, and now I feel like I've gone 110. percent So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I, and, I'm with you. Uh, by the way, I will mention Mari Cooper also shows up on this list um, of guys that are kind of interesting. So Mari Cooper is 29. He is of everyone in the top nine rounds, the only players that have a wider gap between their seasonal underdog ADP and their best ball ADP. The only two players with a wider one is Keenan Allen, who is two full years older than Amari Cooper, and Tyler Boyd, who is just like he only goes that high in best ball because people are stacking with Joe Burrow and he's useless in a managed format. So I'm not even going to talk about Tyler Boyd. Um, like Mari Cooper, for instance, some comparable guys that are also in that kind of same age range, right? Calvin Ridley, uh, it's a 13 slot gap compared to Cooper at eight. Debo Samuel, a couple years younger, but only a six slot gap. Terry McLaurin, a couple years younger, seven slot gap. DeAndre Hopkins, interestingly enough, obviously quite a bit older, 13 slot gap. Um, Mike Williams is also an 18 slot gap. You look at like Godwin, Evans, even Tyler Lockett, not as big of a gap. I think I think when you look at this, like to me, Cooper and Mike Williams really stand out as guys where if you're just looking to cheaply fill some flex spots, to me, those seem like some of the more disproportionate values from a, a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I think uh, like I actually have a Mark Cooper ranked as like a mega buy right now because even though I think that he's probably a fake alpha, he was kind of an alpha last year. He and was, like, yeah. What if he does it again? Like a full year of Deshaun Watson and alpha, that would be really, really good. And I I think that Amari Cooper is a good player. I just don't think he's necessarily a bona fide alpha, if that makes sense. 
But the circumstances hmm. might be maybe Elijah Moore's off-field problems last year were in fact not just off-field problems. Maybe he also sucked on the field. I don't really know. Right. And like that's possible. DPJ, we know, is not good. So it could be Amari Cooper all over again as an alpha, but this time with Watson instead of Brissett. And that's exciting to me. So I, th- yeah. I think Amari is like a like if I, I don't know that I'd buy Amari and Elijah on the same team in Dynasty, but I no, probably not. I, I would want one of them on my team more often than not. Yeah, I agree. Or at least one of the those two in Joku. Yeah, yeah, one of the three. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on that. Especially if I have Watson and I have Watson on a lot of my teams. Um, here's a fascinating one: DJ Moore, twenty six years old, four spots higher in Dynasty. But wouldn't say it's super likely that a situation changes for the better. Like, even if you, you can think a situation is good now, you can think a situation is bad now. But either way, it probably is what it is now. Um, explain. I don't know. People <laughs> are crazy, man. I don't, like, the DJ Moore situation is really interesting to me because – just, it all comes down to Justin Fields. Like if Justin Fields is in fact the truth, then DJ Moore is probably going to smash. If Justin yeah. Fields is what he's been thus far in the NFL, which has been not good, then he's probably not going to smash and he's probably going to disappoint, even at his mm-hmm. lower low-ish ADP. Mm-hmm. And I don't like I don't really see anything that tells me that Justin Fields is going to be a good NFL passer. Like when. When you look at his season-long PFF grade, yeah, you got, really got to go back to Ohio State to tell yourself the story on that one. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, he was really good at passing Ohio State. Yeah, when he had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and like, like he had some pretty good weapons. And if there's one thing that we know about college quarterbacks, it's that good weapons can accentuate uh, mediocre passers pretty substantially. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like not 100 percent in. I'm like I'm not even. 60% in on Justin Fields developing as a passer. I'm probably more like 30% in on Justin Fields developing as a like mid-range NFL passer. I think yeah. he's probably an NFL bad passer is the most likely outcome, in my opinion. Right. His rushing is still great. Like, Don't get me wrong. He's going to rush really well. Probably not as well as last year. He's probably going to drop by... It would almost be actually, impossible to, drop to be as well as last year. What's that? Yeah. So it, would almost be impo- it would almost be impossible... Fast yeah, as well as he did last he basically year. set the record. So, like, he's probably going to drop a substantial amount of yards from his yeah. rushing repertoire. Should get made up for it to some degree passing, but he's not going to be, I don't think, a good passer. It's possible. I'm not. I'm not writing it out as like a, like if we had this conversation after Josh Allen in year two, I'd be like, no freaking chance. Like, right. absolutely right. not. Blew up in my face. And, but with Justin Fields, like I. I'm still very hesitant to think that it's going to happen. And maybe maybe this is just my uh, Achilles heel. Like, I, I kind of did the same thing with Jalen Hurts. I was like, ah, like maybe he could be a mid-range NFL passer one day. And then he went to the top. And just Josh Allen went to the top. And now Justin Fields is up next. And I'm like, ah, I'm still not that convinced. So maybe it's a me problem. We'll see. But uh, the DJ Moore bet entirely depends on what happens with Justin Fields. Yeah. So, yeah. And this yeah, is actually- I mean, the thing is, it's like realistically, you know, especially in like the context of a, of a single year, um, 
Fields' best case scenario probably doesn't involve DJ more smashing. It probably involves Justin Fields running for 1,200 yards. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely from, right. a, from a fantasy football standpoint, for sure. But from an NFL standpoint, from a dynasty perspective, I will maybe, maybe this is the. I mean, I guess this is the logic if you think that this is what will happen. I just don't think that's what will happen. But yeah, from a dynasty perspective, if Fields becomes a better passer, maybe he runs a little less, that, that would be certainly better for DJ Moore. But um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just the, pay, the thing is, is like the, it's not just the likelihood, it's the payoff for DJ Moore that is, is tricky. Like, I know that we've loved DJ Moore for a long time. He's not really that young anymore. Like we really shouldn't be projecting him to get better at this point. Like he kind of is what he is. Um, and like, he's a really good wide receiver, but I, I really don't think that he is like AJ Brown level wide receiver. And we've just saw AJ Brown with Justin or with Jalen Hurts. He's like the 99th percentile of what Justin Fields potentially turns into. And he ran really hot on efficiency. And he was a really helpful fantasy player, but he still didn't like win you your league. So like, it's just, it's asking a lot. Like it's asking DJ Moore to be a lot better than he is. Justin Fields to be, to hit his absolute ceiling. And he's going to run really high on efficiency beyond that. And you're probably hitting a double. <laughs> right. The, the other thing, like I, I didn't really mention it, but the other thing with the Justin Fields, projection or the or the dj Moore projection is it's not just justin fields being like not that good at throwing the football the bears also really didn't want to pass the football at all and perhaps right. they also have to choose to change their approach on that yeah like a, a part of that is the justin fields was probably just like running when he was supposed to pass because they call the pass play and then he'd run so maybe the pass rate or the sorry the the pass attempts are artificially low because of that but again, we're asking Justin Fields to then progress in that part of the game as well, which I don't know is going to happen. And I still think that the Bears probably are not going to be even a mid-range passing team from volume perspective. Right. Like I think their idea, like if you look at the first like six or seven games last year, like they they were not willing to pass the football at all. And then they they finally got to like a league bottom pass rate <laughs> thereafter. And I'm like, I don't know that we're getting much more than that. Like at, at their best case scenario for pass volume, they're probably like a 30 attempts a game team, which is really, really hard to have. Any right, kind of because you also have, you also have the lost dropbacks issue where like, this is, I mean, you ran into this a little bit with Jalen Hurts. We talked about it on the show last year, but it's way worse with fields because he eats sacks like they're a nutritious breakfast. Like you have, it's, it's not just the called pass rate. It's that like a pretty high proportion of Justin Fields' dropbacks don't turn into targeted throws. Like several of them turn into scrambles and several of them turn into sacks. And I mean, part of that might just be like, he's going to have wide receivers that are open faster. But I mean, we have a lot of data on sacks across several years. And what we have tended to find out about that is that they aren't an offensive coordinator stat aren't really an offensive line stat aren't really a receiver stat or quarterback stat <laughs> yeah like, good quarterbacks right like russell wilson deshaun watson have had exemplary careers 
still eat a lot of sacks. Joe Burrow still eats a lot of sacks. Like yeah. I'm guessing that even in the world where Justin Fields is an awesome NFL quarterback, he's going to be a sack prone NFL quarterback. I just think that is part of who he is. It's who he was at Ohio State. Even when he was a really good prospect, that was one of his weaknesses at Ohio State. It was like, man, this guy takes a lot of sacks. Yeah, so as far as DJ Moore goes, I'm probably not that into him in either event at this point. I'd re- I mean, I'll take him and I'll take shots in seasonal because, I mean, I guess my theory on it is if Justin Fields sucks at passing this year, he's not getting better. To me, it's his last chance saloon. Like, if Justin Fields is going to be a good passer, it's happening now. So I'd rather pay a lower cost and then just get the reward now and also take less risk. Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah, I guess I just probably wouldn't even consider him. Sure. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, like if you're wanting to pick him in either dynasty or, or redraft, I'd probably take him in di- or in uh, redraft because in dynasty, I think that it could be really bad for a long time for DJ Moore. It's still into the future. Like I think Justin Fields could be an NFL starter for the next three or four years just from like rushing ability and like marginal passing because they, right. they may just not have better options. Like, I don't know that the bears are going to finish first with the first overall pick again. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to be that bad anymore. I, I don't think they're going to be great. Like I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I could see them like floating in that like six, seven win range and just like wasting three years of DJ Moore's prime uh, on a quarterback who can't pass at an effective rate. Uh, or efficiently and then and or they do finish very bad and they do take a rookie quarterback and now we got another year to wait because the rookie quarterback can't produce can't like sustain a high-end wide receiver anyway and what if they take a bad rookie quarterback like we've seen teams take for instance anthony richardson like fourth overall this year like that could be dj moore next year like it, it could just go from bad to worse. Like there's there's a lot of avenues here where things don't get better in Dynasty. At this well, point. if they get better next year, then he's like if we're waiting for him to get better next year, then he's 27, which means even if he's good, he's at best holding his value, right? So this yeah. is kind of the last year to bank an increase in value and then be able to get out. Um, so yeah, it comes down. But either way, I just think this is such a crucial year for DJ Moore that to me, if you're if you're betting on DJ Moore. I want to be betting on this year. Um, that hurt you to say you're out on DJ Moore after uh, your lifelong commitment to this man? Well, it's just like when you're like 21, 22, 23, 24, and you're bad situations, you put up 1,200 yards, it ain't that bad. And then yeah. there's like, there's hope in the future. There's hope in the future. And then the freaking Panthers finally get an actual quarterback that might be uh, able to pass football. And they trade and they you for it. Want to get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Uh, I've made this point before. The best case, I think, possibly available for the people who are like, can't buy Drake London. He's not going to score any points this year. His value is going to go down, even though that argument would imply that it's not currently priced in by two full rounds that he's going to score less than Olave and Wilson. But putting that aside, uh, Drake London, currently 21. DJ Moore, currently 26. DJ Moore has uh, zero career seasons um, that were quite as impressive as Drake London's rookie season. If you look at targets per outrun, yards per outrun, target share. Uh, and PFF grade. I think Drake London has a higher PFF grade than true. DJ Moore has ever had. Right. So Drake London already possibly better than DJ Moore. 
and if he was to make it through five more seasons, like the one he just had in quarterback hell, and the market was to decide he's the same skill level as DJ Moore, might fall one round of ADP. <laughs> one. Like Drake London is, is is one of my favorite buys in Dynasty in all of Dynasty right now. Like of any position of any any like type of buy. Like I, if I have a contender, I, I had to move a Drake London yesterday and it broke my heart. Dr- I'm buying Drake London, not DJ Moore. Sorry, but I yeah, had to it, sell. I had to sell Drake London on um, this week, and it, it like broke my heart. And I was getting a smash deal for Josh Allen. Then I think you made a mistake. Uh, I didn't get that. I did get Brees Hall straight off though. I'd probably take Drake London. Really? You're sacrificing like two rounds of ADP value for that. Okay, well, if they're that different in ADP, I'd take Brees Hall. I didn't realize they were that far apart. Brees Hall goes at the 206, and Drake London goes at the 403. Oh, well, yeah, I'm definitely easily taking Brees Hall in that case. If ADP was not a factor, and I just had to pick one player and hold them forever, I'd probably just take Drake London, though. Oh, I'm taking Brees Hall. I mean, Brees Hall doesn't need like things to change around. I mean, he just needs to get a knee that works. Yeah, he needs to get a knee that works. I guess the other thing on that standpoint that I just said is probably incorrect because I feel like I'd tra- take Drake London this year, but I feel like I'd take Brees Hall next year, if that makes sense. I think I'm taking Brees Hall this year too. I'm pretty bullish on, on Brees Hall and in every format. Is an issue? No, I think it might be an issue. I think Herm Edwards said you played to win the game. I mean, if Drake, if Drake, if Drake, like if Drake London, like what's Drake London ceiling this year? Like, right? Like Desmond Ritter, you know, he's probably Desmond Mitter. Um, that's your I, guy. I, I, do it. I know that's my guy, but I mean, Matt, can you put up the gif? Look what, look what, what is that? What is that gif? Uh, look what they did to my boy, or look to our boy? Yeah, look, look how they massacred my boy. Massacred my boy. <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, I love Desmond Ritter. I love Desmond Ritter more than most people, but I fully admit that the chances that he's like unlocking the Drake London ceiling season in the year of our Lord 2023 are are stacked against him. See, um, I, I don't feel that negative about it. Like, I don't think Desmond Ritter is good. Obviously, we've had this conversation. Well, I think Desmond Ritter kind of has to be decent because what Arthur Smith will tell, like Arthur Smith has oh, shown no. that. Yeah, that's the issue, right? Like Arthur Smith has shown that, like, if his if he doesn't think his quarterback's awesome, then he will just run the ball relentlessly. So to me, like Desmond Ritter kind of has to be good enough because if Desmond Ritter's not good enough, they're throwing it twenty five times a game. So you you have to you have to at least get confidence. You have to at least get enough out of Desmond Ritter that Arthur Smith doesn't just want to hand it off four hundred times. Okay, can we can we fire Arthur Smith this year? Is this the year? <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I, they have a, such a soft right. schedule. They have such an easy division. I think Arthur Smith is like I actually have an Arthur Smith coach of the year bet. I just I cannot even this is why I don't bet. That would never make sense. I could I could never place a bet on a coach <laughs> who is as bad as Arthur Smith to be the coach of the year. I mean, I don't think he okay, I think he's really bad at some things, but I, I think he's kind of good at some things. Like the guy knows how to scheme offense. It's just that he isn't necessarily optimizing for the right outcomes. Like, if he was optimizing for the right outcomes, you wouldn't have Desmond Ritter. You'd have, like, Bryce Young. And then and then he'd be cooking with gas because he's actually pretty good at, like, scheming. I mean, we forget. Like, Arthur Smith ran the most efficient offense in the NFL with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, 
AJ Brown, Corey Davis, a pretty mediocre O line, and like no other skilled position players whatsoever. Wasn't like, that just all AJ Brown though? It was a lot of AJ Brown, but like you put him in pretty good positions to succeed too, right? I mean, AJ Brown, it's like what he's he has like pretty he has like some very specific strengths. Like it's like he crushes on these in breaking routes on play action, and and he just like stammed that. It was just like that play, that play, that play, that play every time. What a creative genius, Arthur Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crosser, AJ Brown, slam, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. Guy who runs a 449, 230 pounds of solid muscle on a crosser. Very creative, Arthur Smith. <laughs> he does some good stuff, man. I don't know. <laughs> highest, um, here's something good for, for the, I mean, highest RPO rate uh, in the whole NFL last year. I don't know if that's a good or bad, but it shows some level of creativity. Um, it's also pretty helpful for, for the receiving options from a target share perspective. I, I know Ben Gretsch has done a lot of cool work on that where like your RPOs, if your offense runs a high rate of RPOs, you get a higher target share to the primary reads because like it's the plays, it's, only, if it's, it's either a pass to one preset person or it's a run. So it's always going to be Pitts or London that gets the RPO attempts or it's just a running play, which is, it's like a nice, um, it's a nice boost when you're doing projections where like you can project them comfortably over 50% combined target share and it, it actually checks out. Makes sense. I'm not running first rate targets for, uh, could you, oh, could, could you name the current third receiver on the Falcons depth chart? Could you name any receiver on the Falcons depth chart other than their first two? Is it Brian Edwards? No, he, I don't think he's employed actually. Oh no. Oh man, I know he was most re he was most recently with the Chiefs. Oh, he's on the Saints. Really? He's on the Saints. I didn't know that. He was on their practice squad. He's currently on the Saints, Brian Edwards. There, there was once a guy like this. This is going back a couple of years now. So Brian Edwards famously face planted, like like epically face planted, and then he like you guys might not remember this, but he had a really strong allegedly uh pre like training camp not not preseason games but like training camp like in practice allegedly he was very good not again not in even preseason games just in the practices at camp and then there was people that like bought all the way back in and i remember telling one of them individually specifically that we should not in fact be buying brian edwards and then i can't remember how the reply went but it was you might remember it you probably saw it do you remember how I, think that I said we're going to the moon? I said a lot of things. I said we we're going to the moon, and uh, <laughs> no, we didn't go to the moon. But we had a really fun week one overtime game. No, it was it was it was a creative message. I remember it distinctly. I just remember the specific word. It was, something, it was, it was something like it was like dear reader. Yeah. Um, like dear we inquirer. are not interested in yeah dear inquirer. We will not be selling our Brian Edwards shares for a late second round pick. Um, <laughs> we are too busy going to the moon. Yeah. Best. So Brian Edwards. Yours truly, perhaps. Too bad. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I will, all right. I'll make fun of myself here on the, on the show. I made fun of you for the, for the Lance take. I'm going to see if I can search it on, uh, on Twitter here. Um, let's see. This is some dead audio, but oh, it's not. doesn't seem to be searchable. Yeah. I think Elon is. Uh, I don't know. I can't seem to find it. Maybe I don't. I don't think I deleted it. But um, just deleting your bad takes. Well done. 
I don't think that I did, but uh, it doesn't, I don't know. Maybe I've looked up, we are going to the moon and we're going to the moon. I didn't have either of those. Um, I'll, maybe I'll try to look at it for after the show, for the show notes. I'll tell you what I would like to delete. You know what I'd like to delete? I do not know. One thing that I think we'd all like to delete going into a date night is the hair on our balls. That is why. <laughs> Support. <laughs> now that is a segue. <laughs> Carry, carry on, sir. Don't let me interrupt. That is why support for the Sweat and Bullets podcast is brought to you by none other than Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. I can personally attest to this. Um, I had not been doing a lot on the dating scene uh, in recent years. I've been focused on law school, been focused on fantasy football, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to go out to some parties. I'm going to get on Hinge. I'm going to go try to ingratiate myself with the ladies. And I was like, you know what? I got to feel a little better about myself. I got to feel a little bit more confident. And so the people at Manscaped, they hooked us up. And I took out the lawnmower. And it was phenomenal. There was no fear. There was no trepidatiously trying to slide it through and creating scratches and bleeding and the whole psycho scene in the shower. It was an absolutely stress free process. What I'm talking about, of course, is the performance package 4.0. You want to talk about Drake London, you want to talk about Brees Hall, those are going to be game changers in the fantasy sphere. In the sphere of ball shaving, there is no greater game changer than the Manscaped performance package. That includes the lawnmower, which I can firsthand vouch for, the weed whacker for your ear and nose hairs, the crop preserver, that ball deodorant, make sure that those things are smelling rosy, the crop Revier toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. If you use the code BPFF, you will get 20% off and free shipping on your first order at manscaped.com. Make sure to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Manscaped is waterproof, reduces your foot order. Make sure to reduce nicks. Make sure to reduce the risk of ingrown hair. Somebody wants ingrown hair. And of course, reduces the risk of grooming accidents, but it won't reduce the risk of, is the risk of you feeling confident in all of your endeavors. Manscaped, code BPFF, 20% off. That was it. That was the end of that. You nailed it. You say? Nailed it. Yeah, that was that. great. Well, I, uh, I have You've been, been escaping? I've been a loyal Manscaped uh, customer long before the advert or the um, sponsorship opportunity arrived. So it's kind of neat. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I haven't even opened the one they sent me. It's sitting in my house because I already had one. Actually, my wife saw it and she was like, oh, we can use those on dogs. <laughs> She's like, lots of people, lots of vets use them to shave dogs before surgery. <laughs> it's like, that's hilarious. Wow. So she might, she might take it to work. Or, you. Or give it to someone, but uh, multi-purpose yeah, no, package. Hey, multi-purpose manscape. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're wow. fantastic. Love it. I actually, when I bought mine, I bought it like, I don't know, a few years ago and I heard about it on a podcast. And I went back Actually. to listen to a whole bunch of podcasts to try to find the code for one of them. And I finally found it. I remember who who was uh who was promoting it, but it was it was great. So, that's awesome. Highly recommended. 
and uh, go ahead and sign up with code BPFF. That is Bulletproof FFs. Well, I guess they're not actually the initials because Bulletproof's one word, but you get the idea. You get the idea. You get the idea. All right. Um, I think we've talked through this topic to death. Maybe one day we'll talk about some of the running backs, but we talked through pretty much all the interesting wide receivers. Let's end this show off with a little talk about Scott Fishbowl. Scott Fishbowl 13s in our hearts. Um, those of you that follow me on Twitter saw me chug a Guinness to reveal my first two picks of the draft. Uh, one of those was at 10.14 in the morning. Still, the haters thought that I drank it too slowly. I thought it was pretty decent. It was like a 15-second chug, but I don't know. People were people were really mad about it. Um, like to see your chugs. Anyway, how is your Scott Fishbowl team doing? <laughs> Sorry? Chugs of Guinness, no less. Yeah, well, that's a, this is fake news. People think that Guinness is hard to chug. It's actually the easiest beer to chug because it's, it's so it? smooth. Oh. Yeah, like it's carbonated in the sense that like you have the widget, of course, but it's like a way smoother. Like if you drink Guinness, like it has a more similar consistency to milk. Like the hardest part of the drinking the beer isn't the thickness. It's like it's the carbonation, right? Like yeah. it's way easier to chug milk than it is to char- chug like 7-Up. So like if you think about like and, and there's less foam, so it's like like by far like maybe easier to chug like a Bud Light than a Guinness. But if it's between like an IPA or a Guinness, like you're chugging a Guinness a thousand times out of a thousand. Like you're never like I have right here the naughty Hildegard. Um, and this is like pretty hoppy. I'm I wouldn't chug this for the life of me. This is an enjoyable sipping experience. <laughs> Good stuff. Code BPF for twenty percent. <laughs> Love it. What, so, what division are you in? Uh, Einstein Bros Bagels. That must be like a restaurant in the United States of America, I presume. You don't even know what it is and you, you chose it to represent you? I, I honestly gave it a, a flick on my mouse wheel and hit the one that it picked. <sighs> Boo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going but, to Ireland actually pretty soon. So I, I, I'm representing the Guinness brand in uh, looks like 26 days. In honor of Einstein Bros Bagels, I did have a bagel that morning. Like the was morning. It an Einstein Bros Bagel? Hey. Was it an Einstein Bros Bagel? I presume that that doesn't exist because I've never heard of it. It's, <laughs> it must be in America only. Have you heard of it? Of course not, but I, I chose my favorite beer. I didn't choose a restaurant I'd never heard of. Well, um, Einstein Bros Bagel, bagel is your neighborhood bagel shop. I guess not your neighborhood bagel shop. Um, they have a, they have yeah, they have a, um, a rewards program that's called the Schmier Society. Uh, their locations, um, oh, it's, it seems like there's all sorts, um, but you have to search something to find the location. Just give you, I guess that means they must have a lot, right? Because if they, if they only had like two, wouldn't be, uh, if they wouldn't be like a search thing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'm looking at both of our teams and I'm just wondering why you picked all the bad players. Yeah, well, I picked uh, I picked all the good players. Um, what was your strategy? My team, because this is the thing that is like, like yeah. Well, let's let's just let's just let's just speak our teams out for the listener gods, quick. So, and then I will answer that question. So, my team, we're a little slow because naturally, as the Guinness Division, we have a few people that are drafting from Ireland, so we only have like <laughs> six to eight hours to get through picks each day. Um, 
So uh, anyway, so my I picked the 103. My first selection was Josh Allen. My Did second you selection. Or were you assigned yes, the 103? I chose the 103. Um, in fairness, I think that the drop-off is probably actually after the 104, but I either the scoring settings weren't posted or I wasn't aware of them when I chose the 103. And so my assumption was like, I'm going to take one of the three elite quarterbacks. And then I uh, then later I was like, oh, probably elite three quarterbacks or Kelsey. But um, at the time I was like, three quarterbacks, everybody else. So just give me the just give me the last of the three. Um, so anyway, my, I chose the 103. Me as well, if I may interject. I picked the 102 thinking that I either wanted Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen because I didn't look at the scoring before I picked. And then before the draft, I looked at the scoring. I was like, whoa, whoa, no, I actually want Travis Kelsey. This was this was terrible. I should have picked like 104, 105. That's probably where he's going to get picked. So anyways, carry on. Yeah, so I picked the 103. Uh, anyway, and Travis Kelsey did not go with the 104 or the 105. He went with the 101 um, in my draft. So I did not even have that option. Um uh, Jalen Hurts went at the 102. So I had my choice of Allen or Mahomes. Um, so I took Josh Allen at the 103 um, as I broadcast the world through the bottom of my Guinness class. Uh, at the 210, um, I took, of course, none other than my favorite player in the NFL, Tony Pollard. Uh, so at the 310. You picked him at the 210, which was all, all also the running back six. Yeah, so he's going to finish as the RB1. So I see that as pretty significant value. You should have just taken him at 103. Uh, you know, I'm lucky that he got back to me um, well before his ADP. Uh, I'm going to look up when is it. So I looked at his ADP prior to picking. His ADP um, is currently a 307. Of course, Scott Fishbowl draft is a third-round reversal. I guess I should people sh- I should say what the scoring settings are because they're very unique. It is a Superflex tight end premium redraft league. And it started 11. So it kind of looks like your similar dynasty league uh, on the surface. Two running backs, three receivers, two flex, two quarterbacks. Well, super flex, but you really want to start to do quarterbacks. The, the, the jig is that basically every position is boosted, but some of them are boosted more than others. So you get a point for a rushing first down or a receiving first down. You also get 0.25 per carry. Uh, you get a lot of bonuses for quarterback play. I, I forgot all the specifics. And then the crazy one is touchdown, uh, tight ends get an extra full point per reception and an extra full point per first down. So it's, it's like an absolute mammoth tight end premium league. Um, and of course, with the point per first down, that favors running backs. They tend to collect more first downs than receivers. And then especially the 0.25 per carry obviously favors running backs. Um, so that's the deal. Anyway, so I take Tony Pollard at the 210. His ADP is the 307. And so I looked at the board and I was like, probably 35 to 40% chance I get him at the 310. Third on reversal. I'm not chancing it. I'm taking, I'm taking the guy at the top of my board. It's a free draft for charity and I want to take my favorite player. And I don't think I would have got him. So I got Pollard at 210. 310, we take Anthony Richardson. 403, we take Chris Olave. 510, J.K. Dobbins. Six. Um, 03 David and Joku. There's the tight end premium rearing its head. 710 Christian Watson, 803 Christian Kirk. We have not yet made another pick since. What's that? I said, and that, that's all the picks we've done. We're only through eight. That makes sense. Yeah, you're like, I just don't really understand why you chose so many bad players when there were so many good players available. So, who were, uh, who, what's your team of all these good players that aren't just about to die? 
Okay, so I took a unique strategy of trying to field the roster that would win the tournament. Very unique strategy. I didn't just pick my favorite players. I picked the players that were going to score the most points in the most meaningful way. So, like I said, I had picked um, the 102 thinking that the scoring settings were going to be similar to last year. They were not that similar to last year. Uh, so then I ended up taking Travis Kelsey because when you look at Travis Kelsey in a year-over-year basis, uh, he gives you a substantial advantage over 11 other teams in the league, which is literally all of the other teams in the league. Whereas someone like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes only gives you an advantage over like half the league. So that's why I went with Travis Kelsey at the 102. Then what I wanted to do was take uh, kind of a hero running back approach was my idea. There was a fellow named Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) He's not generational, but is very, very good. I was hoping to get him at the 211, but he went at the 210. So that was... Super disappointing. Luckily for me, though, a little fellow named Tyreek Hill happened to fall about six picks past ADP, so I just took him. Uh, He's pretty good at football, so it was a really good choice by me. Congratulations. Then I was not anticipating taking a quarterback early because I really like a lot of the late-round quarterbacks this year. Uh, There's players like Kyler Murray, who I think is probably going to be very, very good in the second half of the year. There are players like uh, Sam Howell, who I think is interesting. I'm not. I'm. I wouldn't take Sam Howell, expecting him to start the whole year, but I think he's got some rushing upside. Actually, interesting fact. I don't know if you know this, Jacob. Sam Howell's five oh six or whatever his uh, forty yard dash is. That was from high school on player yeah. profile. That's not his pro day. I thought it was his pro day. Because I knew he didn't run at the combine, but then it all of a sudden player profile showed his, no. his 506. I was like, where did this thing come from? Okay, well, he's really slow. He may not actually be really slow. He's not really fast, but he might be like a 4'8 guy or something like that. 4'9. Yeah, maybe. it's possible. Certainly not O-lineman slow. <laughs> so I was like, well, this gives him a little more rushing upside in the NFL than I had originally anticipated. Uh, so anyway, like guy like guys like him, and then there's like Ryan Tannehill and Trey Lance, which I just think have a lot of upside if things break the right way. Anyways, so what ended up happening was Tua Tungavaloa happened to fall about eight or nine picks past. The yeah, game. you got all these ADP values. Every time I showed up, it was like the like literally at my two ten pick, I had twenty second overall, and the first twenty one players in ADP were gone. Yeah, well, I mean that's how it goes sometimes. Gosh. Well, I ended up taking two, and I probably wouldn't have, except I already had Tyreek. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to take Tyreek, right. I might as well take Tua, especially if they're both going to fall way past ADP. And then we got yeah. into round four, and I was like crossing my fingers that Devontae Adams didn't go between my 311 and 402, and he did not. So I was able to lock in Devontae Adams. Yeah. I don't really understand why people think that Devontae Adams is going to suck this year because Jimmy Garoppolo. While not a good quarterback in like a traditional sense, is a competent quarterback. He's Derek Carr. Good enough for Devontae Adams. So yeah. what are you doing here? Like I, I just don't really get it. So I just took Devontae Adams because I was like he's a top five run, wide receiver pretty much every year. So that seems pretty safe. And then we got to five eleven. I took Keenan Allen because again, if you look at Keenan Allen in his healthy games last year, was averaging twenty three points per game, which would be wide receiver six in this format. So it was like I, I really had no interest in wide receivers once we got past like the top. Like, once we got past the guys that were going to score 20 points per game, I was like, I don't want any more wide receivers. 
Like if I can get those ones, I'll take them. But if I can't, I'm done with wide receivers. And they just kept falling. Keenan Allen fell, I don't know, six, seven spots. And then I reached on DeAndre Hopkins. And I reached on DeAndre Hopkins because I think that he's one of the most mispriced players in all of like redraft right now. Or at least I presume he's mispriced in redraft because he's absolutely mispriced in the Scott Fishbowl, which I think is a pretty good proxy for redraft ADP. Yeah, his uh, underdog ADP, I'll pull it up, is I think pretty similar. His underdog ADP is 25. Yeah, so that's outrageous because the under Hopkins was like, uh, I don't even remember what he finished last year, but he only had like two touchdowns in like eight games. I think he was like maybe wide receiver 15 or something. Uh, which is yeah, I've been, I've been hammering DeAndre Hopkins, and now I'm a little scared because the rumors he's going to go to the Titans, which I think is the worst possible outcome. That's <laughs> so bad. I mean, there's probably worse outcomes, no, but not many. Like, literally, literally name anyone. I don't think there are. I don't know. Like, what if you went to say? I guess the Colts would be worse, but like the Colts, that would be worse. Yeah, I mean that would be worse, but it's. It's not going to happen, so it's fine. Like, a, like the only the only teams that he's been linked to are the Browns, which would be great. He goes with Deshaun Watson again. Um, the Chiefs, which obviously, um, the Bills, which I don't think is quite as good as the Browns or the Chiefs, but would still be really good. Um, the Patriots, which I think is like, which is like stealth good. Like I think people kind of don't like that, but I actually do like that because he could just dominate all the targets and Mac Jones, like every one of his dropbacks becomes a pass attempt. But the Titans is like, woof. I mean, they never throw. They might have to play well Levis. I think, like, yeah. they have two other guys who are target earners. That's that's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's not where he ends up. Even I still want it to be the Patriots. The Patriots are my favorite because that's the one spot where, like, like if you went to the Chiefs, I would be pumped. But I could only be pumped for, like, my existing shares because everybody else would be really excited. But if you went to the Patriots, like I don't think people actually think that would be good, but I do. So then I would get to like buy a bunch more. Yeah, yeah. No, I it, the Patriots is my favorite landing spot because of a. I think it's going to be productive, and b. I don't think he's going to get a ton of hype. Yeah. So makes him affordable. So anyway, I reached on Hopkins because I didn't think he's going to get back to me at seven eleven, and uh, I just didn't feel like there was anybody else that I wanted to draft more than him. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I guess I the reason we dropped all the players. Yeah, and then we went to Seven Eleven, and I ended up taking got a Slurpee. What's that? So then got a Slurpee. Big gulp, say. Because uh, you said it. you had the Seven Eleven. Yeah, I get it. Seven point one one. And I took DeAndre Swift as my first running back, and yeah. I you still need a running back format. What's that? Said so you still need a running back. So I still need a running back. And then <laughs> two, I guess. Two, well, I, my plan all along through the whole of Scott Fishbowl was that I'm taking Kyler Murray in this draft, period. It's happening. And then it happened. And I could not be more pleased. And then I really – He went like the, like the sixth round. I was like, oh, darn. I was really pumped to take him. Oh, yeah. I got him at 802. And I, I nearly took him at 711, but – there was still a whole bunch of quarterbacks that hadn't gone yet. Like, like Matt Stafford went like one pick before my nine 11. Yeah. Uh, that's the other guy that I wanted. And he also went and like want went in my draft and all of them like Devonte Adams was my dream pick at three ten, and he went at three Oh nine. That's rough. 
And you got him at the fourth round. That's so then so I just I just caved on my next pick. So I'm up I'm up at 911, 9.11. And I'm just like, I'm not, I don't know what to do. And I went back through you know the last last year of content that's out there. And I was like, who's the guy that I need to take? And it became abundantly clear that I need to take a running back with standalone value because I only have one running back on my roster at this point. <laughs> so I went with A.J. Dillon, who I was repeatedly told had standalone value in redraft leagues last year, who, who obviously does not have standalone <laughs> value for the record. However, at this point in the draft, they're really like you just got to take your running backs and hope things break the right way. So – I think he's the right archetype for the format, right? I mean, that's this I think is probably one of the biggest edges is, is like trying to decipher from your scoring format. And the one thing with the running backs, like I think we kind of talked about it in the Discord today, but there's a bit of an argument as to like just because the running backs score more points, does that mean we should all just be hammering the early running backs? Should we be prioritizing some of the receiver? I think you can go either way on that, but. The one big thing is like the type of running backs you draft. You, you drafted the wrong type of running back with your with your first running back pick, so that's unfortunate. Um, uh, well, but you, you drafted the right type with the second, that's for sure. When I took DeAndre Swift, I was just trying to pick the players that could score the most points, which would be DeAndre mm. Swift. But you took DeAndre Swift? Yeah, the guys who can score the most points. Those are the guys that win the leagues, so those are the ones you should draft. With A.J. Dillon, I was just like, I need a warm body, and this guy's probably going to need a lot of rush attempts if A.J. or if uh, – Aaron Jones gets hurt. And standalone value. And and he obviously comes with standalone value. So those, for those that don't know, I argued vehemently that A.J. Dillon did not have standalone value last year, and I was obviously correct. And now I'm making fun of it. A.J. Dillon does not have standalone value. He's slightly more standalone value now because in this particularly because of the rush attempts thing, but it's still not enough. Every running back is basically relevant in this format. It's wild. Your speaker is, or your mic is not working. You got nothing. Absolutely nothing. How's it now? No, it's totally working. There you go. All right. A little audio issue at the end. Um, we will see. We'll update you when our Scottish Bowl drafts conclude. Gotta say, I uh... I got one more pick. Oh, you're not done? Oh no, God. I got another pick. What's your next pick? I took Sam Howell, man. Oh, there you go. So now I got Howell? my quarterbacks are Tua, Kyler, and Howell. And that's pretty fun. Nice. That's not bad. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Howell gets the first half of the year. It's benched. Kyler comes in. Couldn't, couldn't ask for more. I'll probably take one more quarterback or maybe two more. We'll see. Well, you're going to take Trey Lance, I'm sure. You're going to get him in the I'm 20th almost round. definitely going to take Trey Lance as long as somebody doesn't <laughs> snipe me on him. He <laughs> might know they won't. He gets to my pick. Oh, I don't think they will. <laughs> he might. His ADP is like coming up just after my pick. So it's going to be close. Yeah. If I were to guess, he has a wide range of variants on his ADP. No, there's a truther in every league that's just like, just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. This format's you, built for him. Guys are taking you, Anthony Richardson in like round three. And you're telling yeah, me Trey yeah. Lance can't be a round 12 pick? Come on. You can take Trey Lance in the 12th. That's fine. You're damn right we will. I think I took Ronald Jones in the 12th last year. 
Woof. What did, I, what did that accomplish? Not a lot. No, no. So if Trey Lanto produces Ronald Jones in 2012 or 2022, things are going to be looking good for the it's old. It's your last chance to buy low on Ronald Jones. Hey? So it's your last chance to buy low on Ronald Jones. It would be. It would be my last chance. I, I'm he, at this point, him. is still live for the number two role in the Cowboys. I think, I think this could be the year of Rojo. This could be. Although a, that would, it would it would deeply depress me if the year of Rojo came at the expense of Tony Pollard. I would <laughs> I would like drown in an ocean. I feel like this is like the same kind of thing as uh, Kadarius Tony and Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady might be responsible for some of his victories. Kadarius Tony might be responsible for his incompetence. Ronald Jones might be responsible for his incompetence as well. But. There's always a chance that he could have a Devonte Parker, uh, you know, out of nowhere revival. It's possible. Run it, it back to real possible. All right, I think it's been a fun show. Welcome back. We're gonna try and uh, get back to doing this every week. Um, to be honest, this is like this has been the worst part of the dynasty season. Like, kind of once rookie drafts are done, into like before training camp there's just not a lot that happens so it's been hard to come up with honesty content i've been pretty busy drew's been pretty busy but uh now that we're ramping up into full gear scott fishbowl is here people are doing seasonal drafts we're gonna be we're gonna be in your in your ears uh almost every week from here on to the start of the season anything you want to plug for the people i have no plugs no plugs uh, you can find uh, you can find my written work on thinking about thinking, of course. It's jacobsanderson.substack.com. Uh, you can find my full best ball rankings up there with some preambles on some takes with best ball this year. I'm also 16 teams down, 16 teams to go on my projections. Uh, once those are done, I will be posting those in the Bulletproof Discord, and I will be posting those on thinking about thinking, and I will have a longer piece talking about. Some uh, some guys that my tune is changing on a little bit. My Clayton tune is changing on, if you will, um, after doing some of the projections. Not Clayton tune. <laughs> it's probably not Clayton tune. Um, but uh, anyway, that will be probably the next thing. And uh, we'll be doing these pods. So have a good one. Drew, until next time. Until next time. Everyone take care of your balls. <laughs>